0: And this is an episode all about sibling rivalry. This one's a request. It's for anyone who has a super tumultuous relationship with a sibling. And maybe it defies all logic as to why they are so fucked up. So this is to give you context for a lot of the common sibling issues and also some tools for dealing with your sibling in a way that keeps you safe and firmly balanced on the ground. So just a heads up, I'm talking mostly about adult sibling rivalry, though you might gain something from this if you're listening because of your kids. So I'll touch on some of the reasons that this is formed early on. As usual, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Also, I have an announcement. I got knocked up. (laughs) I'm pregnant. So, um, that means nothing for you guys other than you might hear me running out of air <laughs> on my podcast lately. If not, yay. And that's why. Um, and no, I don't plan on retiring my show. I'm one of those girls who wants to work forever. However, I will probably be trying to figure out how to navigate the recording stitch. So um, hopefully you'll stick around with me through that experiment when things get gnar. I do have strategies in mind, things like smaller increments, maybe some messier recordings, <laughs> maybe some occasional crying. I don't know. To be seen. At the very least, you will get some wicked new content out of it because, uh, as you know, most of my inspiration comes from personal experience. So there's that. So, anywho, here we go. Part one the what siblings who fight, who feel intense jealousy toward one another. And this might have started early on in life or could have started just as an adult. So regardless, the dynamics are usually present throughout your relationship um, and just sometimes they come out more strongly. Sibling relationships are usually the longest relationships of our lives. So it can be excruciating to be in a tense, painful one because it's like you're bound to them. It's not like you could just cut them out of your life. I mean, you can, but it's just it's a lot harder. So when it's during childhood, sibling rivalry is pretty overt. Depending on the age difference and cultural norms, you might find that you're fighting in extreme or violent ways. Like, it's very obvious. Alternately, you also might be competing for love and this is kind of a painful reality for both of you because you don't want to have to compete you also probably don't want to outshine the other but at the same time you desperately want and need love and affection from a parent so it's like a universal sibling catch 22 and this is in itself often the impetus for the conflicts we have with our siblings getting the love we need And how we fit into the family equation is kind of how these dynamics are set up, because it's very much based around the feedback we get from caregivers. And caregivers, being flawed humans, will unconsciously use their children, like triangulate their children, uh, kind of play them against each other, like involve one of them. In a triangle to try and, you know, they basically build alliances and create power structures to solidify themselves against their partners or sometimes against another child. It's like they are, you can think of parents like kids themselves. And children do the same thing. So often they use their siblings as points of contrast or ways to leverage themselves. It's all one big melodrama. And it's a lot of the time so below the surface that it can feel very confusing and hurtful, and you won't know why, but you'll feel shitty. If only there was enough enough love and maturity to go around, all siblings might, in theory, get along. For example, if your parents are an emotional mess and immature, you as the firstborn would likely take on a parenting role. When your younger sibling is born, they can't do what you do because you already do it. So it's like the take and roll. So instead they will try another strategy to get attention. For example, they, they might be, become like the helpless infant. And that will, in, in the eyes of the eldest, be seen as like they're getting an unfair amount of attention and they didn't earn it. But the, the way they're earning it, just the language is different. In many ways, certain kinds of attention are easier for certain people to, to fight for, and also for certain people to give. Like, it's easier to know how to relate to a baby than it is to relate to someone that's smarter than you. It all depends on your particular caregiver's strengths and or voids and or insecurities. And a lot of those you won't even know about when you're a kid. You have no idea. You don't really get to know your parents as, you know, full human beings outside of just their... They give me food, you know, until you're an adult. And then you can kind of see how small and, you know, not that smart or not that strong they are. They're just regular people. So these strategies we employ as children also give us feedback, um, each of us feedback, about who we are in the world. It's like our first world experience. It's, it's our tiny little mini world that is the home. And that role shapes more than just us. It shapes and, and it doesn't just like affect the family. It becomes how we operate in the world and in our relationships moving forward. Because there's kind of a built-in inequality in how, you know, what we can give, how much of it we can give, what we get back in return. And it's... It's like we our rules are set up for who we are versus external things, and when things are uneven, we kind of define ourselves based on that unevenness, and that can cause just a lot of resent in us, and often that that resent is toward also our siblings. It's just like we grow up feeling like slighted, like that's not fair, and you're selfish. That seems to be pretty common. Um, as an underlying belief for people that are stuck in sibling rivalries. Additionally, when it comes to multiple siblings, we kind of run out of roles. And so the middle children can feel lost and like they don't have an identity, and they can feel resentful toward the oldest and the youngest, or they can turn it in on themselves where they feel like, I'm the shitty one, I don't have a personality. Or they can just feel completely aware of the fact that they got the short end of the stick and just grow up with kind of a chip on their shoulder. And when there's a gap in generation, oftentimes the youngest siblings get like a unique and sometimes better experience with their parents. Sometimes it's a worse experience, but it'll be different than the rest, which creates its own brand of alienation. Like if you get too much attention, you're resented and punished for it by your siblings. On the other hand, if you get too little attention, you have, you have to try any kind of new strategy. Like often the easiest one is acting out. And that's the, the way they choose to receive love is by, you know, someone having to come to like their court hearing. But that then becomes like a false identity. You become the bad kid versus the one who really needs more love. And because we are constantly triangulating against our siblings to define ourselves, we push back on anything that doesn't align with our role. Like we just translate it into what we have defined as reality. And we like to keep the rules and the boundaries clear. You are not allowed to be the strong one. I'm the strong one. Hence the reason it can be really hard to surpass your sibling in something they've always done well. Or change the rules or the way you relate to somebody else. It's like they won't be able to see it almost, and they'll experience you coming into their territory or their identity as like a threat. Like, no, 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 you can't do that. And parents do the same thing. It's like once you get into a place where you're um, mentally more acute than they are, you might find that they're trying to constantly push you back. Like, no, but but uh, I still know better. Like, because it's it's very uncomfortable to lose your identity. So, that's a lot of what part part two is the why. I think I got into a little bit of why in the what, but here we go. Here's part two the why. This is thought of by most um, to be a necessary stage of building character. And by that I mean just fighting with siblings is part of figuring out who you are. It's how you define yourself to yourself. You start in your family. It's how you can tell... This is me versus the other kid who's similar to me. You get feedback and you start to like kind of practice who you are, test your, you know, your skills out. You test out lying on your siblings. You test out acting on your siblings. You build your own particular brand of contrast um, because you have this person who is similar to you in all of these ways. It's like this, think of it as like a warped mirror to ourselves. We are prone Biologically, toward kindness, because it promotes our genes. And we happen to share 50% of our genes with our parents and our kids and our siblings. However, we also need to compete biologically. Like we have an innate need for um, admiration and recognition. And uh, we want to be recognized for who we are, for our unique qualities. And recognition is different than just, a, it's just, it's different than love. We still want to be known, and that is something that kids are constantly fighting for. And if we perceive it, like if our parents are not really skilled at making it look like everyone's getting equal amounts, we are, feel like we're threatened and we, we feel like we have to fight harder to get what we need. And at a very, very early age, siblings know how to um, hurt each other. It's like children are super smart. And kids learn very early on, like, the dynamics, like the power rules. I think it's from, like, a year and a half. Kids know how to, like, play um, parents. And they know how to hurt one another really well. And they can read really clearly whatever's happening as far as, like, the dynamics go in your family unit. Um, And all of this is, like, figuring out how the world works. Our childhood is, like, training for the adult world. So think about it. You're testing out how well you can convince someone of something. You're learning how to get what you want and define who you are. All with this pseudo-mirror of yourself, this one participant in your life, um, a sibling, or several of them. So it's like a friend, but a friend that's more like you, with more intimate knowledge of you, who can also drain resources from you, who's like suckling from the same teat. So, and this person never goes away, no matter what you say or do to them. So I'm making that sound like it's Masochistic, but in reality, a sibling is kind of a great self evaluation machine. We have this like guinea pig for all of our untested thoughts and feelings. Hence the reason siblings are privy to the worst of us and the best of us. And children, by default, believe they are getting unequal love, attention, and punishments. And that's partly because often they are. And that's because there's no such thing as a perfect parent. So you're already, there's all the ingredients set up for um, combativeness or, it's like a, it, there, it brings in personal issues and it brings in um, parent issues. Not to mention, uh, you're at a stage where you're trying to figure out how to cope with all sorts of Very, very big and scary needs. A lot of how we feel about our siblings is set up by a couple of things in particular. Our temperament, our parents, and how they give us feedback and their issues around self-love. And also birth order. So what role we play in the family. And I'll give you like a little bit of info about each one of those. So the first one, temperament, meaning you're born in inclinations. They, these kind of just dictate a lot of what, what type of feedback you will tend to get. And this kind of, you know, ricochets off of who your parents are. So depending what what your temperament is, it might bring out more in your parents or less. And how you shape this inner world that interacts with the outer world, um, it very much is dependent on... Your temperament. So for example, if you're a timid child who is needier, you might get negative attention compared to like a more gregarious sibling. Or it could be the opposite if your parents are more internal types of people. Second, parents. So this is a huge one in sibling rivalry because children intensely feel how they are treated in comparison to their siblings. So when a parent shows more love to a sibling, That is taken out on the sibling relationship. It's like the easiest way to vent that pain is onto a sibling, often. And how well a parent can give equal love is really dictated by what stage they are at in their own personal development, how stunted they are, and when they have you. Like, how they give us feedback in the context of their own lives has a lot to do with where what the shit that they're, they're going through. So if you are born in a certain context in their life, like let's say your parents are going through a divorce, you might experience their love much differently than your sibling who was born when they were newlyweds. And that's kind of translated into a belief system you exhibit about yourself and how you respond to them and how you respond to your sibling. And if your parents are stunted at a certain age emotionally, often they will employ tactics of control according to how emotionally stunted they are like they people draw on the skills they were given by their parents so you might feel like your parented your parents are similar like you and your siblings are like a doll set so they'll do tactics you know to play you against each other and a lot of the time also parents are strategically trying to level the playing field according to how they perceive you know, weaknesses and strengths. So, like, if they see you're the strong one, they might push you down to try and help the weaker sibling out. But on the receiving end, it's like being punished for competence or, like, not being loved. It also has a lot to do with the power dynamics in your family. Like, when you, certain parents triangulate to certain kids, And like you kind of feel like an innate need to align yourself with one of them over another one. Usually it's the one, the the parent that needs you. So often those alliances kind of dictate our allegiance and how we decide to, you know, connect to another member of the family. And uh, our allegiance is usually where our deepest sibling conflicts originate. If I'm like my mom's protector, my sibling might become my dad's protector or identify more strongly with my dad because it's like that's a way of balancing out the family unit. The third, birth order. So this is kind of up for debate in the science community as far as research goes, but if you ask me, it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, birth order doesn't necessarily dictate you know, what kind of job you'll have, but it does dictate what kinds of experiences you are likely to have in your family of origin. It's no coincidence that birth order has an effect on what, you know, the types of things you end up doing in your life. And it also has an effect on how you make sense of yourself in the world. Um, Because it's like, it sets up your job in the household and um, what others in the family, how they will behave around you. You know, so like if you are the oldest sibling by a lot of years, you're pretty much like most likely going to end up being a caregiver type of person just because you're an extra set of hands that can help with babies. And there's also a lot of research that shows we choose partners and friends according to our birth order, like that match us in some way. We fit we fit together pace. Uh, based on the shape of our respective childhood puzzle pieces. And we are attracted to those with similar family dynamics, like according to birth order. And that's because we get each other because of the types of experiences we had growing up. And when it comes to multiple siblings, we kind of learn from the get. We learn to either support or work against the sibling, Because we're already aware of kind of the hierarchy. And we are very swayed by the opinions and the attention we observe from our parents. So it's like we're learning what we're meant to think from others instantly. It's like, you know, a pack. We have to figure out the rules. So a frequent sibling strategy for avoiding these conflicts or head-to-head comparisons Brought by having to define yourself against this other is intentionally carving out a separate niche. And that's why a lot of siblings like want to be drastically different because they don't want to have to fight or they don't want to have to feel like, you know, they're fighting someone that's close to them. And that's that allows them like a little bit of safe distance to grow because often grasping for attention becomes super painful it's like you don't want to hurt your sibling by 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 outshining them but you also do so it's kind of like a double bind and in this birth order a lot of our self comes about it's like the eldest child takes on usually the more more of a leadership role and then they also become competitive with the second born second born has to define themselves next to the eldest And often feels like they have to live up to them. And if there are more than two, the youngest usually gets another set of attention that can cause um, competition from the other siblings. And youngest kids are usually more free-spirited. And they get more of the baby-like roles. And yeah, these are all generalizations of complex dynamics. But your role very much sets up your perception of yourself and the world and your siblings. It just defines, you know, your view of yourself and right and wrong and what's wrong with the world, like that warped mirror. And the sibling relationship is one of the longest relationships you will have in your entire life. It's also, because of that, very much intertwined with our our idea of self, our original idea of self. In short... You can look at your sibling relationship through this lens. It through what it has defined or how it defines your history. It reflects in part the view your parents had of you or how they made you feel. And if you have a sibling that reacts super intensely to you and you don't know why, it very likely has to do with perceived inequalities that they experienced at the hands of your parents. It's like Primal resent. It's because it's tied to identity and it's tethered to all of these other relationships we have with, you know, our sense of the world. So it kind of muddies this bond. So if you have a really painful relationship with a sibling and it's because it's not because of, you know, just something like, personality disorder or addiction problem, it's likely because of what they are connected to in your past. It's like they're attached to this older self or these older feelings. And that is what is brought up in you and partially reinstated when you are around one another. Old relationships can force us into an old and painful groove and it'll be really hard to see yourself or... Act like yourself when you're in that groove again, it's like you think it's like putting on an old filter called not fair, which is why a lot of siblings if you have a bad relationship with sibling, we often take personal offense to who their a sibling marries like if a lot of siblings hate their sibling spouses, and it partly is because it feels like a personal insult because of how much We see of ourselves and our siblings, like we feel very particular about their choice. It also changes our dynamic with the sibling. Ironically, if they choose someone to, it's like they're filling a similar role um, or they're choosing a mirror to their own perspective. So what to do with all of this information? Mostly, I would say just click through your particular relationship frame by frame. Like take it apart. See what is happening for you and for them so you can be strategic and loving and self-protective because this doesn't have to own you. I mean, I'm assuming if you have a sibling rivalry, you've created distance from them and that is the way you've managed. That sometimes is the only thing you can do. Um, But when you know your triggers and you know why someone gets to you, you know how to come out on top. At the very least, whatever the top means, it could be that it's just like amicable distance. And it doesn't mean they're going to stop being the same way. But when you stop completing the other side of this, you know, awful dance fight, then they can no longer continue to do the same thing. Like the loop has to change. And at the very least, they can no longer wound you. It's like you stop receiving the ball and the game is no longer fun for them. So they just have to stop playing. So with that, this is part three, the how, the tools. So the first tool I have for you is called Set the Stage. And it is a journal exercise. So grab your journal. Because first I want you to ask yourself, just kind of like take a brief history. When it comes to your childhood, was there a condition of lack set up in your home? For example, did you feel like you had to fight for attention and that you were not given enough attention and love without struggling to get it? Did your parents make you feel like you had to work for love? And if that was the case, what was your job and what was your sibling's job? What were the tactics they used? Was it not advantageous to be close to your sibling? Were you put on a playing field that made it impossible for you to define yourselves distinctly between one another? Were there reinforcements that kept negative patterns in place? Like, for example, did your parents give more attention to a sibling because they stayed weak? And how did these dynamics affect your beliefs about yourself? Are there painful beliefs that you originally had that you've been working hard to debunk? So whatever the history you take down about your childhood and your sibling and yourself, ask yourself, what does that say about the proper conditions needed for peace and love to occur in your relationship? Like, based on all that, should you guys get along fine? or does it make sense that you have kind of conflict built in This is basically so you can trace the roots to your current discontent And if if you can't see it in your early childhood can you trace it to a particular breakdown or maybe it was a crossroads where roles had to change at a particular point in your life And if you were to summarize it in like a sentence or two, all of this, what would you say was the catalyst for this rivalry, this discontent? So that's the first tool. Second tool, picture yourself at work. So this is for when you're struggling to not get pulled back into those old loops. So basically, keep your mental emotional distance and don't regress by picturing yourself literally at work. And I would say even wear an outfit. Like if you know you're going to like a family function where you're going to see your sibling, wear a worky outfit. Wear whatever you can to like keep your brain in a certain mental space where it's professional, you know. Because when we end up with our siblings, we tend to be forced back into these old roles. Like they push very invisible buttons without us knowing we feel the other's behaviors are personal attacks even when maybe they're not. So just keep your grown-up glasses on and don't break character. And they might, they might even be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting weird? But imagine you're at a table of coworkers. Just keep up the formality. This is one way to just create a little bit of healthy distance from the triggers that can suck you back into the old loops. It's all about not engaging. And if they call you out, who cares? Let them. Nothing you can or should do um, other than protecting yourself, maintaining your composure. That's their deal if they want to say shit. It has nothing to do with you. Tool number three, a casual meeting at the gold room. That is a shining reference. So this is for coming to terms with your siblings' limits. And... This is the reason I said the gold room is like you can you can do this in your mind. You don't have to do it in reality because oftentimes we are not at the same stage in our evolution as our sibling is. Like when we're ready to like talk about shit and get real, they might not be ready and they have a completely different perspective on the world than you do. So this is just a conversation you can have in your mind with your sibling. and. See what, see what they say. I, th- I have a feeling you'll be able to tell a lot more about them just by mentally allowing them to respond in their own voice. So basically, you're going to meet them at this bar, and you're going to say, ask them, like, how they felt about their childhood. See what they saw as their advantages, their disadvantages, and what they envied about you, what hurt them the most, what they wish they got that they didn't get and basically try on their shoes see what they felt and including what they believed that you didn't believe the reason being is you can you can get to know a lot of how you guys are different and where your values don't apply to them. I think a lot of the time when we're like frustrated with a sibling, we're like, why are they crazy? Why don't they see all of these things that I see? Because you assume you had the same experience because you grew up in the same household. But their life is very different than yours because their role is different and because the way they dealt with things was different. So it's like you're trying to not see them as evil or idiotic, but rather just a very different person. They are a product of their particular conditions. It's not in spite of you, you know? So just, yeah, have this casual conversation. Ask them about, like, you know, who they sided with, what experiences meant the most to them, what hurt the most, what was the hardest for them, and see what you can arrive at. So one important point to remember is that they had to survive as well. And a lot of the time we do what we need to and it can. F- people can live with a lot of guilt. And they will, if they're incapable of looking at that guilt, they will push it down and they'll put on an exterior of, back off, no, I'm totally justified. No, fuck you, I'm the smart one. So if you find that your sibling has a veneer like that, and you know that they hurt you a lot and they were, you know, allied with, they had an alliance with your parents and it was very painful for you. There's likely a, a thicker skin because of guilt that they can't look at. It's very uh, intense. It, it unravels a person. If the trauma is great and they were the one that did terrible things, it sometimes is it's too scary and too difficult to go there so it's not because it doesn't exist it's likely because they're too weak to go there and i know that doesn't give you much consolation it's like well fuck but just for your just for you to know whatever that's worth tool number 4 big snowball takes a little snowball this is just, remember to always be the big snowball. Whenever you're interacting with a sibling that gets to you, just, you're always coming from the bigger position, no matter what. Always think tact- think, think of, like, a way to, to always own the scenario, pre-plan, and play out all the things that are going to happen and always come from a state of, like, the bigger one the person that's got the upper hand. And that includes disengaging, practicing non-reactivity. It's like, you know, when you're happy and you're in love and it's sunny outside, it's like a person that's like, you know, cusses at you on the freeway has no effect on you because you are whole, because you feel good about yourself. Nothing can touch you. So truthfully, in in any scenario with a sibling that even if they are... Th- like slinging mud and trying to be so belittling and saying all the things that that normally get to you. If you can just respond with non-reactivity and kindness, it will always result in you winning, no matter what. Even if they're like, you know, continue to spew the bullshit they always spew. It's like killing them with kindness, but with... uh minus the motive to kill them with kindness. It's like just start with the goal to come from a place of maturity and love and not to engage and just stick to that. Keep coming from love and do not engage with the negative because that's how you, you get pushed lower than who you are. No matter how they respond, just respond as if you are totally not angry and not needing to pull them down. And you'll find that like it just makes someone matter and matter, you know? When they can't engage you in like a, a low battle, it's like it is one of the most powerful ways to not only honor yourself and act as yourself, but not get pulled into bullshit loops that you know are not worth engaging with. Tool number five. What's your problem? The sibling filter. So a lot of – we we wear a lot of our baggage from childhood. We wear, like, our our resents and our pain from childhood as adults. And we often are trying to get things from childhood from our adult relationships. So we're still playing out these loops of, like, when are you going to finally listen to me? When are you going to finally stop putting me down? Or when are you going to finally see me? Like, these are the things that we repeat in our, you know – or romantic relationships, like, but why don't you see me? Why don't you understand me? Or, like, how come you don't love me unconditionally? These are all these very old loops. Um, and so this exercise, I want you to kind of put on a pair of special x-ray glasses. Next time you're with your sibling and they're being annoying and siblingy. kind of put on these x-ray glasses and look at your sibling from this vantage point of what are... What's their loop? What's the thing that they are repeating? What's their gripe? What's the problem that they keep repeating and they keep asking for through their behavior? Um, And kind of try and trace back, based on their life experiences, whatever they lacked, um, what is coming about for them and continues to come about for them. What's their go-to MO? Because that will manifest itself it'll explain to you a lot of how they see you. Like how their views are founded of you has a lot to do with whatever their unmet need loop is. And I would say journal, write down like kind of a concise statement um, about, you know, the thing they do to you that's annoying and how that manifests in your relationship. Because you can pretty clearly deduce their specific backstory and where their blind spot spots are compared to you. And the whole reason to do this is just for you to know they're, they are blind spots. It's not that they're spiteful. It's ju- It's just where they're stuck or where they can't let go of some, you know, unmet need. And that is not personal. It's very much just because of the stuff that happened to them. You don't have to feel that as an expression of you. It's more than anything, it's like, it's sad that that is something, a blindness that they have, you know? And it's not a reflection of your personal lacking. So I wanted to quickly throw in, I wasn't really going to explain this one, but I want, let's call it a sixth tool, detaching with love. This is probably the most common tool I give, but... At the very least, if you um if you can't deal with the sibling because they're just toxic and terrible, or if the sibling was abusive to you and it's dangerous for you to have any kind of contact, all you have to do is detach with love. And that means it can be any form of detaching It has to be. It's more just saying to yourself, "I'm not going to carry this guilt. I'm not going to, you know, feel like I have to have a toxic relationship in my life." and Basically wishing them peace, you don't even have to wish them anything. You can just wish it for yourself and state your intention as a way to just be at peace with this, you know, relationship as it stands in your life. Detaching with love is basically like you can, you can say, I choose to have this be the relationship. I choose to honor myself, protect myself, and um, this is what I need to do that. So if it means you don't have contact, you can do that. You don't even have to tell them why. You can just kind of mentally state or in your journal, or if you want to write it in a ceremonious fashion, just basically say, "Um, I need to take care of myself. I need to respect myself. I mean this person no harm. I choose to detach with love. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And you don't have to have A relationship with a sibling, especially if it's not helpful or loving for you. That's just something that I want you to be allowed to choose in your life. So before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Lindsay and Jessica and Marianne, and to all of my continual monthly sponsors. I love you all very much. Um, And in closing, know that you and your sibling both got to where you are because of some specific dynamics and the fact that you are, you know, closer than most humans um, are genetically and also in just your life experience. So some of the dynamics of self are overlaid onto this other person and vice versa. You also had to build yourself and your identity kind of around this other person, which causes an innate power struggle. And one person will always be kind of fighting to not be in the lesser or meeker role. You can't both be the same type of person. So that's one reason you might just have inherent conflict. And I will say, sibling relationships are not fixed. They change and they mature dramatically in adulthood. So definitely don't write it off. If you're If it's not the way it should be now, know that you will go through many reset button kind of milestones in your adult life. And you will, in those times, get the opportunity to see one another for the first time outside the baggage. It's like you get to see for the first second, like, oh, wait, you're an adult, I'm an adult. You lose that old overlay. Just things like... You know, that redefine the world to you. So things like a death, a birth, a marriage. So stay open and look for those happenings as opportunities and use them. Use them to open up something new and start a different kind of conversation from a different place. Because you might be surprised by who you discover. So I hope this helps and I send you my love. And don't forget to smile.